Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so uh, today we're going to do a, not really an actual question like we have been doing on some of the past episodes, but today we're going to uh, actually, you know, something that does come up quite often. Uh, so it is kind of a question. It's not coming from one person, but today we're going to talk about uh, low-dose naltrexone or LDN. Exactly. So um, LDN, low-dose naltrexone, we've actually used with our patients for a number of years, but we do get a lot of um, listeners, um, just people that run across our website, people from um, thyroid groups looking for low-dose naltrexone because while it's been around for, gosh, naltrexone has been around since 30 my, years. My, yeah, yeah. The 80s. Late, late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, yeah. 80s. Um, you know, doing low dose naltrexone hasn't been as, you know, as common wise, maybe for about the last 10, like we've been using it probably for about the last eight to 10 years, but um, it's not very much wide known. Um, I guess you could say conventionally. So people will go to their conventional doctor looking into it. And then, you know, they don't, then their doctor looks at them like, you want to go on naltrexone? Yeah, right. Yeah, it was originally developed uh, for when, as the uh, HIV and AIDS epidemic was starting to, you know, kind of show up in the early '80s. Uh, it was used as a medication to curb uh, alcohol and drug addiction uh, because it has certain effects on the brain. It's supposed to limit your, uh, you know, limit your. Uh, your cravings for those types of things, those uh, uh, kind of dangerous behaviors, if it, if, if it becomes a little bit too habitual uh, and you have an addiction. Um, but uh, actually along that path over the, you know, over the early 80s, a doctor in New York, I think his name is Dr. Bakari, uh, noticed that his, uh, and I'm not even really sure how he discovered or how he figured out the, the low dose part um, but noticed that some of his patients were actually improving their, you know, their immune system status was improving with HIV. Uh, now we don't necessarily hear as much about HIV or AIDS anymore. Uh, it's still around, but not nearly as, as stigmatizing as it was in the early eighties. In some ways, if you think back, uh, if, uh, even up until the two thousands, um, you know, through the eighties and nineties, you know, HIV and AIDS was kind of, you know, everyone was very fearful of that kind of like they are now with the coronavirus. There's a little bit, a little bit, you know, similarities there is how fearful everybody was because we just didn't know anything about it. Um, but low-dose naltrexone, so uh, using it for what it was intended for, FDA approval, um, that was in doses of, let's say, 50 to 300 milligrams. Um, what we're talking about, low-dose naltrexone, if you look it up online, and there's some couple of really good websites that have some information about it, uh, it is using doses of, let's say, one and a half to four and a half milligrams. Even I've seen some uh, anecdotal and some research using it up to 10 milligrams. Uh, and that probably would uh, be based on a few factors, maybe uh, age, 
size of the person, you know, uh, a male, a 250 pound male is going to take more than, you know, 125 pound female uh, and, uh, you know, different things like that. So um, when we say low dose, that's really not how it was intended to be used, but um, we'll get into kind of how it works here in a second. But um, like I said, we've been using it for a decade and, uh, you know, we've seen some really, you know, some really good success stories with using with, with patients. Like you said, uh, naltrexone itself, I mean, is still used in rehab centers for alcohol and opiate addiction. In fact, they have um, naltrexone implants because if you were to do your, you know, if you're taking a, you know, a conventional level of naltrexone, which could be anywhere like 75 milligrams twice a day, 100 milligrams twice a day, 50 milligrams twice a day, or having an implant, if you were to do your opiates, you know, take an opiate on top of that, you would get really, really sick. You wouldn't die, but you would get really, really sick. So that was kind of the premise with naltrexone is you take the naltrexone and then it reduces your cravings and which when with addiction, I don't know how you can reduce cravings, but at least if you did take that offending, um, you know, addictive chemical substance or opiate, you would get really sick. Of course, then people would take their naltrexone and then they would take their, you know, their substance of, you know, that they were addicted to, but that's why the implants are there. So they still use it. So when we're using low dose naltrexone with patients, we're using it for a completely different aspect, but sometimes those get a little little entwined, like I had a patient, you know, I had her on some low dose naltrexone and then she happened to Google naltrexone and was like, what, what is this? This doesn't make sense. Or she showed it to her doctor and her doctor said, why are you taking this? They don't realize there's a huge difference between 1.5 milligrams or even up to six. I use six milligrams with a, um, with quite a few of my patients versus 75 milligrams twice a day or or 300 milligrams, you know, throughout an entire 24 hour period. Yeah, right. The the effect that it has on the body is completely different. Now, LDN or naltrexone, let's say naltrexone, let's not say the LDN, but naltrexone itself is what they call a, a opioid antagonist or an opioid receptor antagonist, meaning that it basically blocks the opioid receptors in our brains. So if you take an opioid medication like Percocet, Oxycontin, uh, morphine, anything like that, uh, it uh, they compete for the same receptors, and that's what makes people ill if they combine the two. Uh, and uh, you know, something simple. Someone's on LDN because we'll get into what it's used for here in a little bit. You know, autoimmune problem or something. They go into the dentist, or they have some kind of an acute issue. Uh, now, granted, we always coach everybody, and usually pharmacy, the pharmacies that we work with are usually pretty good about catching that stuff. But if they have an acute issue and they're given pain medication, uh, and they don't realize that you're not supposed to take the LDN with it, they find out, you know, I mean, it's not going to kill you necessarily, but you get really nauseated uh, and you you know don't feel very good for a few days. And it really does. Like you said, we work with patients, we talk to them, we coach them, the pharmacies do. I've only had that happen twice using the low dose naltrexone with patients. Twice, once a patient didn't tell me, she said she wasn't on opiates, but apparently she was taking some, um, and probably shouldn't have been. So there was, you know, an issue that happened there. And so, um, and then there was another patient who had an elective surgery and had talked to the doctor about post-surgery. I don't want any, um, you know, any medications, any opiate medications, any pain medications. It was something very, very minor. Um, I think it was like a little tiny lipo or something, but 
the nurse didn't read her chart and then, and she loves the LDN. So she had been wanted to continue taking it because I have a lot of patients that have elective surgeries and we just stop it before the surgery. And then if they have to take a pain medication, then we restart it when they're done with their pain medication. But this patient in particular, she, she loves the LDN. She didn't want to stop it. And she has a high threshold for pain anyway. So, but the nurse didn't read the chart, didn't gave her some pain meds right when she came out of anesthesia and she was very sick and it was kind of a weird debacle, but it all ended up fine. So I've only seen it twice. It doesn't happen that often. You, that's why you have to have that communication with the patient. And usually patients that want low-dose naltrexone know what it's for. They've been looking for it, and they come and find us, or, or we're working with a patient because most of our patients are very well-educated. They're doing their own research. They know what's going on in their bodies. So we're just kind of help guiding them. So we really don't run into any issues like that. Yeah, right. I uh, actually was talking with a patient just the other day. We did some uh, testing. We did, uh, she's having some uh, you know, hand pain or, you know, just some generalized joint pain. Uh, she's been having it for years. I decided to run, which I'm surprised that I either didn't run it before or one of her other doctors didn't run it before, but she came back with a positive uh, anti-nuclear antibody test, you know, so positive for some type of autoimmune disease or at least the autoimmune potential. That's what, uh, that's really the main thing that LDN has gained some momentum for is all of the autoimmune problems that people are dealing with, everything from Hashimoto's to lupus to rheumatoid arthritis to ankylosing spondylitis, MS, the list goes on and on and on. I, we were do, and uh, actually in preparation for this episode, I was doing a little bit of research and I wanted to be a little bit more clear on the uh, the medication contraindicated list. And she just happened to mention that she's using tramadol, you know, for pain. And I didn't realize at the time when her and I were speaking about it, uh, that tramadol actually is contraindicated with the LDN. So I had to, you know, kind of warn her a little bit preemptively before she started. It says, you know what, we have to kind of decide here. Personally, this is where LDN, I'm not a big fan of any of those uh, pain medications, right? I mean, those pain medications, I think are overused all the time. We know that it's kind of a crisis around the country. Uh, People are abusing opioids. uh, And I think for chronic pain management, LDN, that's one of the things that you can use instead. And I think it has a much better and when we're when a doctor or a practitioner is evaluating a medication, you always have this cost benefit ratio to any treatment, whether it's a supplement, whether it's a uh, a vitamin, whether it is a, a narcotic or a medication of any sort. You're kind of evaluating: is this medication worth it um, for this particular type of situation? I think that's why LDN has become so popular because it has a really good upside, meaning it has lots of benefit, um, but the side effect part portion of it, it's relatively as long as you avoid these couple of things we're talking about. You know, the side effects of LDN is actually pretty low. Exactly, and like you had kind of mentioned, is for low dose naltrexone. Really, what we Um, started using it for was for autoimmune disease. There's not a lot of great treatments out there for different autoimmune diseases. And a lot of the treatments really aren't great prolonged. Like a lot of times with autoimmune, like rheumatoid arthritis, connective um, tissue disease, you know, autoimmune tissue disease, a lot of times it's steroids, you know, they're taking steroids for years. That's really not a great idea to be taking it for years. So a lot of times, especially also with MS, a lot of those treatments are, you know, can be pretty invasive. They do have, like you said, weighing those pros and, you know, those pros and cons on how that's going to work. So the low dose naltrexone is a really good alternative to be able to work with somebody with 
some type of autoimmune disease, be able to reduce down that inflammatory component so that you reduce down eventual degeneration. In fact, with rheumatoid arthritis is probably what I find that it works really, really good with. And I do find regardless of, you know, males or females that the six milligrams, and I'm generalizing here, but this is just in my, my own experience, that the six milligrams is really a good dose for that low dose naltrexone for rheumatoid arthritis. But for the most part, you know, with training or a lot of, you know, practitioners out there that are training with low dose naltrexone, you'll, you know, the original dose was four and a half, which is what they used. And then they found that even going lower works a lot well in Hashimoto's and other autoimmune conditions. So of course, like I said, even going up to six milligrams is nothing like actual naltrexone, 75 milligrams twice a day. That's a completely different use for that medication because lots of medications have different uses, you know, depending but definitely, you know, the low-dose naltrexone is amazing for autoimmune conditions. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, and the list, and I was, like I said, I was doing a lot of preparation, and the list of potential conditions, everything from uh, endocrine problems, you know, hormone problems to female problems to, uh, you know, rheumatological issues to chronic pain to, you know, skin issues. I mean, there's just dozens and dozens and dozens of potential uses. Uh, and again, when it has that really positive, you know, be, uh, cost benefit ratio, it makes it, uh, I wouldn't, we, we've used it enough to know that it's not a panacea, you know, sometimes it, you know, doesn't have the impact that you want it to have, you know, so it's not going to solve everybody's problems, but, uh, and I would think of it, uh, I mean, uh, when you use it, let's say with one of your rheumatoid, uh, rheumatoid arthritis patients, what is the time frame that you notice where once you implement, you know, and then that titration, we'll talk about the titration here in a second, that you notice that the, the patient starts noticing some improvement? It seems like three weeks is that magic mark. Once, and because it does take a little while to get into your system and, um, you know, it's not like taking an Advil and your, you know, your pain goes away and then comes back. It does. It takes a while to build up into the system. But I do find that three weeks. So I do tell people, you know what, keep taking it every day until we hit three weeks. Cause we'll go into a little bit. There are a couple of little bit of side effects, but usually three weeks and beyond. And like you had talked about titrating it because there are some side effects mainly, you know, with the gastrointestinal um, issues, like a little nausea in the beginning is you might start a little low and then work your way up. Yeah, right. Yeah. You see uh, very commonly like a starting point would be one and a half milligrams. Then you double it, you go to three and then you add another one in there. You go from one and a half to three milligrams to four and a half. And like you mentioned, you could raise it one more time and go up to six. Uh, you and I've never used more than six. Um, you know, uh, have you used more than six? I think I have one patient that were up close to 10 or no, I think maybe a little less than a handful of patients there. So, but I don't usually, usually, Four and a half is the is the most common dose, but you know you know yourself just like you know we talk at length with our patients. Is I know if someone's ultra sensitive, we might even start at 0.25 milligrams of low dose naltrexone or 0.5, and then work our way up. Yeah. And then some people I know, hey, you know what, this person really isn't that sensitive. They're pretty hardy. They need some, you know. They, their system could probably tolerate something stronger is, hey, let's jump up and start at two and a half or even at, you know, even at four. And, you know, you know who you are if you're sensitive. And we just kind of work around that and then take the time to to bring raise up and, and increase up that dose. On on a side note, that's why um, when people are taking naltrexone for a completely different, you know, drug addiction and opiate addiction is they take it twice a day. And that's because naltrexone really only has about like a 10 hour, 12 hour lifespan. So when you're doing low dose naltrexone treatment with somebody for anti-inflammatory or for autoimmune conditions, 
because you know it only has that 12-hour lifespan, we only have people take it once a day. So you take it at night because while you're, and you take it with food because like I said in the beginning, it usually takes about a week for the stomach to get used to that nausea. You take it at night and then by the time you wake up in the morning, then it's out of your system because the premise behind reducing that inflammation and working on that autoimmune component is that is only taking it, only having it in your body for 12 hours. Yeah, right. And the, the mechanism that you're what you're trying to accomplish there, like you said, with the the higher dose naltrexone, you're trying to keep a steady supply to blunt craving. So you're having this very specific brain effect um, to curb alcohol and drug cravings. With the low dose naltrexone, you take it at night. Uh, one thing that does happen for some people is uh, you are you're trying to stimulate uh, an increase to what they call opioid growth factor. Opioid growth factor is basically like an internal endorphin that our body creates, uh, almost like its own internal, uh, you know, pain medication, so to speak. Um, stimulates the same receptors as the morphines, the per- Percocets, Oxycontins, but your body produces that. So when you take it at night, uh, that uh, you are suppressing the release, you are suppressing the release of that opioid growth factor. Uh, so that kind of interaction there can cause some insomnia when people take it in the beginning. It can really, and it can create some really crazy dreams, uh, you know, so, um, but again, that's also why you start on a little bit of a lower dose. Uh, I'm sorry, there's a little banging down at my feet. Uh, our our co-host, Bob, is uh, um, chewing on a beef cheek and he's banging into the desk a little bit. So hopefully it's not, you know, this happens all the time. So he looks really cute, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you've uh, if you've listened to some of our other podcasts, we talk about Bob all the time. He we have a little rug in here in our in our little uh, podcast studio. And he is literally like right at my feet chewing on this big, long, about a foot and a half, a foot long beef cheek. And it's banging up against the metal desk. It's adorable. I mean, it's really adorable, but uh, hopefully you can't hear that too much on the, you know, on the audio. Uh, so I kind of lost where I was there. Um, you were talking about the opioid growth factor and how when you take it at night, it, and it blocks the receptors, so it basically blocks the opioid growth factor. But then the next morning, when it's out of your system, you have this huge surge of opioid growth factor. Yeah, right. And that's the that's the stimulation to the immune system that eventually, you know, from an, uh, uh, you know, um, an autoimmune perspective, we don't really want to stimulate the immune system necessarily because that could potentially exacerbate an autoimmune condition. This is just improving the immune system. So now the proper anti-inflammatory processes kind of, you know, eventually, and we're still even learning, like we're learning on how all of those things happen uh, and how the LDN actually works. We know that it affects the opioid growth factor, but, uh, you know, even uh, reducing inflammation in general, like, like say, for example, another use of LDN can use it in uh, uh, weight loss or obesity. Uh, and uh, it actually able to improve because of that anti-inflammatory effect, it can improve, improve insulin resistance, which is kind of an underlying component uh, of you know, obesity, diabetes, uh, heart disease, uh, you know, fatty liver disease. I was talking to a patient the other day about fatty liver and LDN. We you know, kind of had a similar conversation there. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of potential. The, the point of this podcast is just if you're not familiar with LDN, just to know that this is a, and the, the good part about it is too, that it comes from a compounding pharmacy. Like you said, we can custom tailor that dose. If you're a little bit sensitive, 
maybe you had some nausea at one and a half, you could go down to any a milligram amount uh, and then titrate slowly if you had to. So you can minimize some of that GI problems or whether you're having some, uh, you know, insomnia or some dr- uh, dream issues, you can, you know, you don't have to stick to those three doses. There's potentially unlimited number of doses. And then, uh, you know, the practitioner can titrate that as slowly or as quickly as necessary uh, for, you know, whatever the situation might be. And like you said, I mean, it's not a panacea. Nothing nothing is a panacea or the one pill fix all in life. But so I do find that some people it works amazing for. It reduces down their joint inflammation. You can reduce down Hashimoto's antibodies for Hashimoto's disease. And then other people, sometimes it doesn't do anything. I've never had somebody have a negative reaction to it other than maybe in the beginning they might be like, oh, I got a little nausea, but that's fine. Or like you said, a little insomnia. And usually that'll... I'll say start it on Friday. So if you get insomnia, you only have it over the weekend because it doesn't last that long. But there's not really any so much negative side effects. But, you know, I do have lots of patients that we've worked, you know, I've worked with, we've done it and, you know, they didn't really have an effect we were looking for. And then I have a lot of patients that do. Like I said, we're all unique. So it would be something, um, I do think there's just so much potential with the autoimmune world or autoimmune disease world because, because the conventional medications really, you know, really have a lot of cons. I mean, sure, there's some pros. I mean, autoimmune disease, you've got to do something about that. But at the same time, you know, some of those medications are really harsh. Yeah, yeah. Almost every one of them, almost every single one of them has some type of side effect that is going to be, uh, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to consider um, as a possibility at some point. It's not a matter with a lot of them. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Uh, And the more severe, that's where they just kind of keep ratcheting up the treatment. So then you're just that much more likely for having some kind of a crazy side effect because the dosing has to go up or the number of medications has to go up. You know, so when it comes to that, uh, like I say, that uh, that, uh, rheumatological autoimmune world, tons of potential. Uh, and again, we're just still realizing that it can be used from, you know, so many, so many different things, um, that people are looking for, you know, looking for a safe, uh, effective and affordable. That's the other thing. When you get it from a compounding pharmacy, it is relatively a really cheap medication comparatively. Um, that is in some ways makes it a very good option. Um, so even for people out there that, you know, maybe, excuse me, <clears throat> that are not used to LDN or not familiar with LDN, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, because like you said earlier, our listeners are pretty savvy. People have heard about it, but it's just a little bit challenging to, you know, conventionally doctors are not going to prescribe it. They don't even know what it is, uh, you know, but like you say, the last, you know, five years or so, the last couple of years, it's really gained a lot of momentum. And we hear about it, you know, from colleagues and peers and uh, trainings that we go to for continuing education, there's always something about LDN to some extent, always. Uh, Even cancer, right? Uh, You know, I have a few patients with cancer that we've used LDN before. Uh, Leukemia, lymphoma, you know, um, blood cancers, solid tumors. Um, There's some good research for, you know, uh, quite a few different things. Uh, So, um, yeah, I think uh, the weight loss, uh, the obesity one, I think that is, there's actually a, a commercial medication that uses the naltrexone side, a little bit of a higher dosage, uh, you know, but um, 
we think that even using the low dose actually from that anti-inflammatory response, because uh, we don't really, you know, from a weight loss perspective, we don't really necessarily want to curb appetite or suppress uh, or you know, c- uh, create caloric restriction. We don't want to turn anybody's appetite off. And that's not how you solve that problem. But by reducing inflammation and, re- and improving insulin sensitivity, uh, that's how you, you know, that's how you uh, can have some long-term progress uh, and, and have an effect on changing somebody's set point, okay? You lose 20 pounds, but your body says, no, we want to be where it was, and you gain 20, gain back 30. Uh, you know, that is the that magic set point that our, our hypothalamus and our brain gets a little bit distorted. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, using things like LDN, uh, you know, can be, you know, can be helpful in reversing, uh, improving somebody's set point. And just again, on another side note, what you're saying there. Uh, you think about those, oh, so when you take the low-dose naltrexone, you only take it once a day. So you take it at night, it blocks those opiate um, receptors, and then in the morning you have this surge of the opiate growth factor. And like you mentioned, hey, you know, opiates are like our natural, you know, uh, helps reduce pain, it helps us feel good. I, I don't know if there's any research out there, but with some of the patients that I've worked with, when they take the low-dose naltrexone, maybe we're working on autoimmune component, but because that opioid surge in the morning, it helps their mood. And you think if you're feeling better, then you don't go for the comfort food. So I have found that patients say, hey, it's not that the food doesn't taste good to me. Sure, an ice cream and a brownie sound great, but it doesn't, I don't want to eat it. You know, I'm not, I'm not craving it. It's not that that my taste buds don't want it. It's just, I'm not feeling the need for it. So I do think that there's a little bit of aspect for there. I don't know if there's any research or if anybody else knows anything about that, but I have found that, that people don't gravitate towards those carbs and the mood food like they did before the LDN. Yeah, right. Yeah, I definitely think there's the, there's the potential there to kind of investigate that further where there's almost like a dual benefit. You're having the anti-inflammatory effect by surging that opioid growth factor, suppressing it, and then it rebounds, suppressing it and rebounds. Normally, normally with drug treatment across the board, if you're trying to suppress something, most medications out there block receptors or enzymes. When you do that on a long-term basis, that's usually going to, that's usually where the side effects come from. And that's almost how all medications work. They block, uh, they block either receptors or enzymes. In this case, we are blocking the release of this growth factor. We're suppressing it, but we're allowing it to surge and come back. Um, that is, you know, kind of in some ways the bot using a, a very, you know, intelligent, a very intelligent use for a medication uh, that creates a response in the body where the body does all the, you know, does all the heavy lifting on the back end. That, you know, that's very attractive. Uh, and uh, I was looking back at some research. There's research on naltrexone goes all the way back to the 80s on some of these ideas. Um, so this is not necessarily new stuff. There's lots of information on PubMed, uh, both, you know, 20, 25, 30 years old and also newer stuff. I think that that trend is going to continue. People are going to keep looking into it. So, uh, the, uh, you know, as you know, medicine of course is a practice. It's a, an art and a science at the same time. Uh, and you and I are always, I you know that's maybe ironically how we got into what we're doing, but we're always trying to push that envelope, uh, to try to figure out how to best serve our patients. What, you know, what, what other potential things are there out there? Dr. Bastier even says, you know, use what works, okay? But also making sure Dr. Bastier was, you know, the, we went to Bastier University in Seattle. He's a, kind of the, the, the name, the, the person that the school was named after. You know, I'm sure some of you might know that, but a lot of you probably don't. 
And he always said, it doesn't matter what it is, uh, as long as it works. And really, you know, from a, you know, from a Hippocratic oath perspective, as long as you do no harm, I think the LDN fits that bill pretty well. I agree. Okay. So, uh, I think this is a, a good little, maybe next time we'll talk a little bit more about mechanism and kind of how it works. So we'll just kind of give a little bit of an overview, um, just to kind of introduce people to it. If you're not familiar with it, uh, this is more validation for people that are, that are familiar with it. Uh, and, uh, I think we'll leave it at that. Do you have anything else to add for this episode or uh, should we call this one? No, this was great. Yeah, yeah. I think this is good. Uh, So until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.